Good morning. Good morning. It's a glorious day, and I think I might have busted my voice a little bit <laughs> singing that song this morning. So if, I, if it starts cracking on me a little bit, it's because I was just, uh, I just love that song. So I was, I was letting it all go. Uh, it is, it's, every day is a glorious day. Every day is a glorious day, and we were reminded of that last week a little bit, I think, uh, with much more, much more, but something stuck with me last week when Pastor Barry was preaching, and he spoke to us, gave us a reminder about praising God. He spoke about Jesus singing hymns with his friends, and he was singing on the night he was going to be arrested. Jesus knew that. It was his last Passover. And we learned last week that there were some Passover psalms. Psalm number 113 to 118. Those group of five, they were uh, the Passover psalms because in those psalms there's reminders about God liberating his people from slavery in Egypt. Uh, and also they're great, great expressions of praise. And they're called also the Egyptian halal. And halal just means praise. We've been singing halal all morning long. Hallelujah. Halal is just the first part of hallelujah. It means praise. Hallelujah. Is God be praised. Halal, praise. Yah, Yahweh, Jehovah, God. God be praised. And so we were reminded last week to praise God. And even consider Jesus on the night that he was arrested and he was singing hymns like these psalms from 113 to 118, these halal hymns. And I left here impressed with this image of Jesus singing that portion of Psalm 18 we've sung so many times here in this church. And it's about a glorious day. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And I just left here picturing Jesus singing that on the way to the cross. How about that? Man, I, I was just impressed by that and thinking he's going to be arrested. He knows it. He knows he's going to be accused falsely. But he's praising God. That, to me, it was just such a powerful, powerful reminder that we... We should be modeling Jesus, praising God in all situations. But the question is, do we receive that reminder? There was an image on the screen, and I like the one presented today, a, a, a reminder screen. It's got two options. We can accept or we can ignore. Now, if you've got any kind of a digital device, you've got a computer, you've got a tablet, you've got a laptop, you've got a cell phone, uh, you got anything that's basically got a screen. You've probably seen a reminder like this. And uh, they're, they're technically called nags. Now, I don't know that that's the technical term, but that's actually what uh, they're called. They're called nags or nag screens. And they're nags. They're nags really because only one option works. Uh, and that's the option that says Accept. Or okay. Because if you hit ignore, which I often do on these crazy screens, uh, it's not gonna, it's not, that's not gonna ignore you. 
You hit ignore, you think you're gonna ignore that thing, it's gonna come back. Some of them come back every minute and you're hitting ignore. And they keep nagging. And that's why they're called nag screens. And uh, it's, it's so frustrating. I, update your operating system, accept or ignore. No, please, I've ignored this. How many times? Why do you, I, I stop, please stop. And that's why that, uh, that, that constancy of it becomes this, you know, we, we see it as a nag. But when it's God's reminder, when it's God's reminder to us, let's do our best to accept, to receive, not see his reminders as nags. Because I have another reminder for you this morning. I want to give another reminder from the Lord and it's from the life of someone that we've discussed several times over the past number of weeks. It's from the life of the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah, we've learned a little bit about him. He was a young man. He was a young man when he's called to be a prophet. And when he was born, his country was, it was a diminished country. It was a declining power. The northern portion of his country really had no, no longer existed. It had been conquered by the Assyrians about 75 years before Jeremiah was even born. Israel had consisted of 12 territories. Now it was down to two. It was this tribe called Judah and another tribe called Benjamin. They were the only two territories left. Jeremiah was from Benjamin, the smallest of the tribes. God called him to be a prophet and to warn his countrymen to stop worshiping idols, to return to worshiping the true God. Then after years of Jeremiah being rejected time and time again, God said, Jeremiah, this is the word to bring the people. Tell them just go. Go with the Babylonians who are coming to get them and, and conquer them. It'll go well with them, but if they don't go, they'll die by the sword or plague or famine. So Jeremiah had this very difficult ministry to be bringing these hard messages of God, and he was often rejected physically. He was rejected verbally, but he remained faithful. He remained faithful to God. Today I want to just... Go to that first moment Jeremiah was called. Again, he was a young man. He may have been in his late teens. If he was 20, that might have been about as old as Jeremiah was. And let's look at the first words, the first words that are recorded of God speaking to Jeremiah. It's the opening chapter, Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. It says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Those are the first words God said to this young man. I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. I take a brief aside here. It's very brief. Last week before Pastor Barry preached, I had an opportunity just to say a few words to you about life. The Bible tells us about life. God, God's word tells us about life. God knew Jeremiah before he was formed. It's pretty amazing to think about that. Now was that word only to Jeremiah? Or does it apply generally? When we see God speaking directly to someone, we need to ask that question. Is it just for them specifically? Does it apply generally? 
Well, it was a direct word to Jeremiah, that's for sure. Perhaps it stunned him to learn. God knew me before I was even formed in my mother's womb. Yet the word of God speaks to us about life and confirms that God knew us all. He knew us all. King David, the great king of Israel, he said in Psalm 139, Lord, you saw, your eyes saw my unformed body. Before I lived one day, Lord, you wrote them all in your book. Pretty amazing. So it's Jeremiah and David. In the New Testament, Paul the Apostle, he wrote to the church in the city of Ephesus. And at the opening lines, he said, hey, this is to you. The whole church, the entire church of Ephesus, all you people. And he said, God's holy people. So it's, it's words that apply to all of us. We're God's people. By extension, the words right there to that church in the city of Ephesus, they extend to us. And what did Paul write to all these people? God chose us, all of us. God chose us in him before the creation of the world. Let that sink in. God chose us in him before the creation of the world for adoption as children of God through Jesus Christ. It's amazing, it's powerful. And I mentioned last week that God's word, his word is instructive to us about life. From the very moment of conception, God knew you, even before that. And as you were being formed, before you were even born, God knew you. So just use that as, as, as something to think about. And I had mentioned last week, we have some things to vote about on that. So remember God's word. Jeremiah, he might have been a little stunned to hear it. God knew me before I was born. God set me apart to be a prophet, the word said. Well, how did Jeremiah answer the Lord when the Lord said that to him? Let's read on verses 6 and 7 in Jeremiah 1. Jeremiah says, alas, oh, God, this is heavy. Alas, sovereign Lord. I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Well, God was encouraging Jeremiah, the young prophet, you're not too young. You're not too young. And then the Lord began to show some things to Jeremiah to confirm this, to confirm God had indeed called him and God would help him. Let's read verses 11 and 12. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, you've seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. And we're gonna kind of park here right now and, and make this our focus for the day. The Lord showed Jeremiah the branch of an almond tree. And he said, I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Before we, before we move on, it would be good to understand what in the world does an almond branch have to do with watching? Well, suppose that in, instead of the Lord saying almond tree, he said something different. Suppose the Lord said, 
what do you see, Jeremiah? And Jeremiah said, I see a palm branch. And suppose the Lord said, you've seen correctly, I have you in the palm of my hand. Now we would understand that immediately, wouldn't we? We would see that a palm branch was being used as some kind of visual reminder about the palm of God's hand. So it's, it's kind of a homonym, palm and palm. Now even though a palm tree's got nothing to do with the palm of our hand, the two are very different things, the palm branch would be presented as, as this visual reminder of the word that God holds you in the palm of his hand and he's protecting. And this is precisely what God was doing with Jeremiah. There is a homonym in the Hebrew that relates almond and watching. We miss it. We miss this little play on words that God gave to Jeremiah. We miss it entirely when Hebrews translated to English. Because in English, almond sounds nothing at all like watch, does it? But in Hebrew, in Hebrew, almond is shakade. Watch in Hebrew is shakad. It's very similar. It's very similar. And God was using this, this type of a homonym, this play on words, these similar sounding words. And if we said it in English the way that Jeremiah heard it, it might sound something like this. Jeremiah, what do you see? I see the branch of a watch tree. I know there's no such thing. But this is kind of what Jeremiah was saying. I see the branch of a watch tree. You've seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Now, I know we've never heard of a watch tree, but when we say it like that, and, and the way that Jeremiah might have heard it, it makes sense. And we comprehend this play on words God was using. So there is a reminder here. Whenever Jeremiah would see the almond branch, it was a reminder. God is watching. If he said the word out loud, if he, if he thought of just how to say almond, it sounds like watch, and it's this reminder to him. And it, I'm, I, I think, would bring comfort to him. Hey, God's, God's watching to see his word fulfilled. And almond, almond branches would be common in his area. So it was a it was this common sight, and it wasn't meant to be a nag, even though he'd see it often. It wasn't meant to be a nag, but a comfort. God's watching. He's ensuring that his word would be fulfilled. And that was a specific word to a specific young man named Jeremiah. Now, what about us? Could we say the same thing? Does the specific word to Jeremiah, does it apply generally to all of us? Is God watching? Well, let's look at some other passages just to see if we can say, yeah, this applies to us too. Proverbs chapter five, verse 21. For your ways are in full view of the Lord and he examines all your paths. Now that was Solomon's words to his son. Could it be more? Could it apply more to us? Well, more generally, we look... Proverbs 15.3 generalizes it. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. 
And in the New Testament, Jesus said things like, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. God doesn't forget even the sparrows. Jesus went on to say, you are worth more than many sparrows. Hey, if God's watching the sparrows, he's watching us. But also from the New Testament, just one more, Hebrews chapter four, verses 12 and 13. They say, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now there, there it is. So we've got Old Testament, we've got New Testament confirming nothing is hidden from God's sight. Everything is visible to him. He is watching. We can be assured what was said specifically to Jeremiah is said to us. God is watching to see that his word is fulfilled in us. To Jeremiah, the word of God was, you're my prophet, Jeremiah, and you say everything I tell you, and now I'm watching to see that fulfilled. Well, you might say, well, God didn't say that to me. Does he have a word for me? What's he watching for? What word is he watching for in me? Does God have a word for you that he's, he's watching to be fulfilled? And if so, what is God's word to you? And what is his word to me? That he would be watching for fulfillment. I just say there are many, many words that God has for us and he's looking to see fulfilled. And I'll just give you one example. And it's from Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, which we've already established. That's, that's to the whole church. It's to all of us. It's written to the congregation. It applies to the people of the church it applies to us. And I want to share with you just a short passage from the end of Paul's letter to the Ephesians chapter 4 and the beginning of chapter 5. It's verse 31 in chapter 4 through verse 4 in chapter 5. And Paul wrote, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. So I submit to you that God is watching you. He's watching me. God is watching us to see this word fulfilled in our lives. And what is this word? Well, it's to get rid of some things, to get rid of some things, things that are negative, they're bad, they're wrong, in a word, they're sin, and to embrace some other things, to, to make them active in our lives, the positive, the righteous, the holy. And that getting rid of the negative and that doing the positive, not always easy. 
It's not always easy. Let's, let's consider just the first part, getting rid of the negative, getting rid of these, get, getting rid of these sins. Get rid, get rid, the apostle wrote. Get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, malice. Don't even have a hint of sexual immorality, no, no impurity or greed, no obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking. God is watching. God is watching, how are we doing? Is this word being fulfilled? Is this word being fulfilled that we're getting rid of this list of sin? In our culture, there's, there's a form of rage. If we just think of rage for a moment, there is a form of rage that's a household word. Road rage. We read about it, we see news reports. Road rage. In an instant, in an instant, one can be sucked into rage and anger at another driver. You're on your commute or whatever, and it can take over. Road rage. Well, what about bitterness and brawling? Bitterness is it's often manifest through anger, which leads to brawling and arguing and fighting. And what is it that we might be bitter about? Well, you name it. Circumstances of life, people, relationships. We can be bitter about a lot of things. And a lot of uh, bitterness and anger of late, it's political. It's all about the politics and the elections. And we're in a season of that right now. We're in a season where that's intensified again. And people are working us up to get us involved in anger and arguing and fighting. God is watching. God is watching. God is watching when we rage and when we brawl. And when we do that online, he's watching. God's watching when we do that on social media. He's watching when we're raging on social media about an election or a politician. He's watching when we're doing that with our neighbor or our coworker, even our family. God is watching, and he's watching for his word to be fulfilled. And what's the word? Get rid of that. Get rid of that. Is that being fulfilled? Is that being fulfilled? And what about this word? Not even a hint, not even a hint of sexual immorality or impurity. God is watching and listening. Oh, that reminder, it's powerful. You know, he hears every single phone call. He hears every single conversation. He sees every single text message. He sees what we're looking at. He sees what we're looking at on these things, on our whatever device. He sees how we respond. He sees, even when we think we're anonymous, you know, we can keyboard it out and hit the enter key or whatever. Think we're anonymous to everyone else. There is no one anonymous to God. There is, you're not anonymous online. You're not a, anonymous on social media. Not to God. He sees. He sees. He's watching. And he sees us with others too. He does. Yeah, he sees us in the group at school where we might be picking on another kid talking, joking, laughing about a, the way a person looks or joining in to bully someone who sounds different or has a handicap. Yeah, God's watching. He sees. He sees us at the coffee pot at work, gossiping about our coworkers. 
Oh, you know, he just doesn't cheat on his taxes. Yeah. Okay. God's watching. God's watching. God's word to us is get rid of that. Stop that. Don't participate in that. Run away from those things. And he wants that word fulfilled in us. So fulfill it. Take the reminder. Accept it. Get rid of it. Not even a hint. Get rid of the sin. And then embrace the positive. Get active in the positive, the righteous, the the holy, the fulfilling of, of the word we read in that passage, that we are dearly loved children. Do we need to be reminded of that? Do we need to be reminded that we're dearly loved by God? Sometimes we do. Sometimes we do. We might need to be reminded. God is watching to see that word fulfilled in us, that we are dearly loved children. We might need to be reminded of that when we're having a down day, when things aren't going our way, when everything seems to be going wrong, when we're taking one step forward and it seems two steps backward. Could it be that God is, is working something in us? Is it possible that maybe, perhaps, there's a little correction going on? Things aren't going our way. Could it be that God is disciplining us? Well, we might become angry if we think about that or hard-hearted. But remember this, God disciplines the ones he loves. The letter to the Hebrews, chapter 12, it tells us all about that. Where God's children, he disciplines his children like a good father would. Because he loves his children. And he chastens everyone he loves. And everyone he's received as a child. And God's watching. He wants to see this word fulfilled in us that we truly, truly know without a doubt we are dearly loved children. We're his child. And his desire is that we would walk in the way of love. That's what the word said. Walk in the way of love just as Christ loved. And how does Christ love? His love is self-sacrificial. That's difficult. Christ loved us, and he gave himself up for us. Now, that's the most generous gift we're ever, ever going to receive. That word talked about greed and greedy. This is the exact opposite. It's generosity. This is the most generous gift we'll ever receive. And Jesus was not greedy. No, he didn't consider the glory of heaven something that he needed to hold on to and keep. No, he let it all go. That's that's the word of God to, to the church in Philippi. Paul wrote it. Jesus let all that go. He let go of the glory of heaven. He didn't think it's something that he needed to, to continue to hold on to. He let it go and he came to this earth as one of his own creation, a human being. And then he gave that up too. He suffered. He felt pain. He suffered and he gave up his human life. He gave up heaven. He gave up his his life here. He sacrificed himself for our benefit. And what is that benefit? Jesus sacrificed himself to free us from the penalty of sin, to free us from death and hell. Now that is is self-sacrificial love. The love of Christ released us from this. Again, this is, this is 
It's huge and it's powerful and it's the most generous thing we could have ever received that Jesus relieved us and he gave us this great gift that lifted off of us the penalty of death and hell and he bestowed on us something so wonderful, eternal life. And there are times when we we need to be reminded of that. We need to be reminded of that love of Christ when we're when we're not having the good day, when we are kind of in a place of self-pity or whatever it might be. We need to be reminded we're dearly loved children and God died for us. He gave his life for us, Jesus. And the word tells us now to model that, model this self-sacrificial love. There are times that we must follow Christ's example when it's difficult and give up the things that we hold on to for our own vain glory. Give it up like Jesus. He's the model of giving it all up. And put aside, put aside having to get our own way, even if it means experience some hurt and pain. Again, not easy to do, often hard to, to put aside our own pain, give up our own way, give up our own glory. But God is watching, God is watching, even through our times of hurt and pain, that we would fulfill his word and love selflessly. As Jesus loves. God, God wants us to be reminded of that. He sees us when we have moments of bitterness or anger. He sees the times that we, we might talk and it reflects coarseness. He sees us when we hit that inner key and we release something that's impure or we're desiring something we shouldn't, we're being greedy. God wants to remind us, fulfill my word in you. Get rid of all that, lay it aside, and love, love like Jesus, selflessly. It's, it's, it's hard sometimes to love that way. But Jesus is our model, he's our example. And, and I take the key, the key word from the passage from Ephesians is walk in the way of love with kindness and compassion, just as Christ loved and gave himself up for us. We heard Cameron just sharing from his heart this morning from Romans chapter 12, verse one. Sometimes we have to lay aside ourselves as a sacrifice. And Romans 12, one's a great, great reminder of that. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That is our true and proper worship. Ah, and that gets us back to last week's reminder. Praise God. It reflects his love for us when we do that, when we lay aside ourselves. It reflects the love that Christ had for us. God's watching. Be reminded of that today. God is watching that his word be fulfilled in you to love like Jesus. God put that almond branch before Jeremiah, something common, something that he would see often, something that was not unusual for him to to regularly come into his sight. And I imagine there were times where Jeremiah, he spied an almond tree and he heard God's word come back to him. Jeremiah, I'm watching. I'm watching. I'm watching for my word to be fulfilled. Now, we don't, we don't have too many almond trees in Michigan. They're not very common. 
So I don't want to tell you to go out and every time you see an almond tree to be reminded God's watching. Because that's probably not going to happen for you. So how about we just make it a little simpler? Why don't we just make the play on words work for us? And, and, and just think of it this way. What do you see? What do you see? I see a watch. Now we can make it work. Now we can make, we can make the play on words work. You see a watch? The Lord says to you, you see correctly. For I'm watching for my word to be fulfilled in you. So instead of an almond branch, which you might never ever see, how about just a common watch? Every time you see a watch, think this is the time, this is the moment God is watching me. Use that little play on words. Yeah, whatever the watch is, an Apple watch or, you know, an old analog watch, whatever. Let that be a reminder. God is watching. Don't let it be a nag. Don't let me, oh, oh, he's watching. And and throw your watch away. No, no. Maybe put one on both hands. Let it be a reminder. You're dearly loved. You're a dearly loved child. Let it be a reminder you are fulfilling his word. Let it be a reminder, yes, you are. You're doing what you need to do to get rid of the things you need to get rid of and putting his word actively in practice in your life. And, and it's up to you. It's up to you. Do you accept or do you ignore? That's up to you. Let's pray. And, and if you would, just stand to your feet as we pray and close our, our service. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace and your loving kindness. And God, we pray that the reminders you give us in scripture aren't something that we see as nags, as a burden repetitively put before us that we would ignore. God, I just pray that we would be people that would be accepting and receiving and doing our level best. To fulfill your word in us. Help us to that end. God, by the power of your living Holy Spirit. Lord, there's so much more in your word about us and who we are and what would be fulfilled in us. God, help us to see it. And every time we see it, realize you're watching. You're looking over us to see that fulfilled in our lives. And we thank you for it, God. Let it not be a burden, but a blessing. Let it not be heavy, but an encouragement that you're watching and that you care so much for us that you do keep an eye out for us. Thank you for that, God. May it be for every single one here, everyone joining us online. And Father, if there's anyone in this house or connected to us and they just haven't realized Jesus gave it all, He gave up heaven and then he gave up his earthly life to to relieve us from sin, hell, the grave. God, I pray, Lord, for any heart that is realizing that right now. And Lord, I pray they'd turn to you. They'd turn to you with with a repentant attitude saying, I want to get rid of what I've been doing and follow you. 
follow Jesus and receive his sacrifice. God, I just pray if there's anyone receiving that sacrifice of Christ right now, you'd meet them and you would help them take their next step in you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Bless your people. Bless them, Lord, as they go. Keep your hand upon them. Care for them. Show them your loving kindness, God. And and help us as we walk through this week to be reminded that you're watching over us to see your word fulfilled. We thank you for that, God. In Jesus' holy and his precious name, amen. Amen. These altars are always, always open after a service. You can uh, come be anointed with oil, receive prayer from an elder. God bless you as you go.